He's one of the very few men in history that most people can recognize by name, and no name can ever be as important. Everyone knows of Jesus Christ. But how much do we know Jesus Christ? Join us as we dive deeper into his life, his teachings, and his love, and together we can grow closer and build a personal relationship with him. This is Light of the World in Focus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Light of the World in Focus. Um, Thank you for tuning in today. It's a pleasure, as always, to be able to do this. Um, Before we get started with today's podcast, however, I wanted to uh, tell us something that happened this this week. So last week, um, I had mentioned how I want to have a little bit more discussion-based, or like hear back from my listeners, and maybe use that to implement into the into the podcast. And so the, last week I talked about how if you have any questions, comments, things that stood out to you, or anything you'd like to share, feel free to message me over Facebook Messenger, and uh, you know just tell me what you think. And so we had a, a listener do that uh, today. Well, not today, um, but this last week. Um, they just, uh, texted me and just shared kind of what they got from this last uh, episode. And uh, I like to share that real quick, actually. So this is what they said. Um, they said, quote, just finished episode 10. One thing that struck me was the point you made about Christ going to pray after identifying himself as the Messiah. I realized how often in the scriptures, Christ prayed to heavenly father. If the perfect son of God has such need for prayer, how much more do I need it? Um, it has strengthened my resolve to pray more often. Thanks for continuing the podcast. End quote. <laughs> so I, I, that's awesome. I, that's the whole reason I do these podcasts is to help people, um, one, not just learn more about Christ, which is important, but two, like, give them action items to do, right? things that they can actually do to become closer to Christ. Um, so this listener, you know, you know what, I need, I'm going to pray more. Christ need to, I need to. And so that was awesome. It, it makes it makes it all worth it. it. makes me feel good. And hence why I want to get this out to more people. Because I, I know that I don't have to say everything right, but the spirit will testify of truth and people can find their own find their own truths in that. So again, just a uh, a blatant advertisement for my podcast, I guess. Share this with others so we can Help us spread the joy. All right, so jumping into the meat of the podcast now. Um, last week, we we left off with Christ healing the mouth palsy, um, which was a great story. I really enjoyed covering it. That's one thing I found. I really like reading these stories and how I can help other people understand them because every single time, every single time I do that, I understand something new myself. Um, it's really cool covering a lot of these well-known or lesser-known ones and uh, Bible stories, that is, and just learning from that. It's a really cool experience. So, um, But before I get all nostalgic, we'll, we'll continue on. So afterwards, uh, the healing of palsy, I'm not sure exactly how far after it might say, and I just kind of missed it. Um, Christ is... Uh, Leaves, he retires to the to the seaside, and some people follow him, and he teaches them. That just seems to be Christ's go-to pastime, is uh, teaching people. Um, 
Because again, he was here to do the will of his father and not his own. Well, after the close of his uh, little teaching lesson, the impromptu teaching lesson, he walks a little bit farther and he sees a man named Levi. Now, Levi is a publican. Um, and if we, I think we talked about publicans in past podcasts. If not, I'll give a brief, brief uh, overview. So publicans are the tax collectors of the day. Uh, for the Roman Empire, they would, they would go collect the taxes from everyone and um, they just weren't liked by the Jewish people um, for a couple of reasons. One, the Jewish people hated being a tributary state to Rome. It was very demeaning. And so they hated paying, like, I hate paying taxes. I understand they're necessary because at least they go to my government. But for these people, they're like, I'm paying taxes to someone that doesn't even do anything for me, really. And so they just didn't like on that. And also publicans... Um, we're kind of known for being a little abusive of their power to take more money than what was really required. And so because of that, and that's not saying all publicans did, but they just had a rap for doing that. Um, so just naturally, just, they just didn't like them. They didn't really feel kindly towards these people. So naturally they would, they would stay, uh, Jews would stay away from these publicans. They just did not like them. You'll see that Jews, they just don't like a lot of people <laughs> back on this time, back on this time. Um, and so it was kind of weird that Christ approaches this uh, uh, man who's a publican who's also known by the name Matthew. Now everyone's, oh, I know him. Didn't he like write the Bible? Well, close. He wrote <laughs> the first the first gospel in the in the Bible. So yeah, <laughs> um, we'll we'll call him Matthew from this point out. Um, and he, he sees Matthew and he approaches him, which is weird for a, a Jewish person to do, um, because of the uh, disdain for the Jews to these people. And usually, when the Jews disdain someone at this time, they would just avoid them. Hence, the Samaritans. Um. And anyway, Christ comes up and says, follow me. And Matthew left his place and followed the Lord. Now, I'm sure that there is more. Um, I'm sure that there is more to this conversation than what we have. Um, that's just what we were given. But the reason why I think that there is more of this conversation is because afterwards, um, uh, Matthew he invites Christ over to his house kind of for this feast um, where they were Christ and his disciples. Um, he and eat this feast. And well, since Matthew was a publican and wasn't liked by a lot of people, he, he uh, naturally hung out with the people that he was like, and it was like high school all over again. <laughs> um, so Matthew had a lot of uh, publicans friends and they were all there and um chilling at this feast and christ and his disciples were chilling at this feast and um to everyone else the publicans they were classed with the sinners right and they were abhorred the sinners how dare you um and so they, they would avoid them well so the pharisees and you know they kind of have this chip on their shoulder out to get out to get christ and they see this and they're like, whoa, how can he, how can he um, be sitting there with these, 
with these apostles, well, not these apostles, with these sinners, as a holy man that he claims to be. So, but they're not actually brave enough to directly address Christ. So they talk to the disciples and they ask him, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Basically, why is such a holy man degrading himself with such the lower class of of society, with the sinners, with the unpure? You know, he should be over here with us because we are the prime picture of what you are supposed to be as a human being. Well, Christ heard this and um, responds in a very direct way and also kind of testifies his mission again. What he says is, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, which makes sense. You're not, you don't go to a hospital if you're in peak health, right? I mean, you might go to a doctor's appointment just to check up, but you don't check yourself into the ER if you're just feeling fine, right? <laughs> um, and then he responds and adds to this, I, can't, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We're basically, are these not the people that we should be focusing on? The people that are quote-unquote sinners, right? They're the ones that need what I have. Just like people that are sick are the ones that need what a physician has. All of us, as sinners, need what Christ has to offer. And so he's like, why why aren't you here, professed, you know, holy men? Shouldn't these be the people you're focusing on? Um. And I think that he really kind of just caught them off guard, right? They were necessarily expecting that coming. And so that was, it's a really cool story, and I kind of want to to dive in and uh, talk about some things that we can get from this from this story a little bit more. So the first thing I wanted to talk about from this story is uh, kind of a principle that we can we can learn from it. Um, and that is, look who Christ surrounded himself with. He surrounded himself with people that needed help. He surrounded himself with people that he could edify. And this just reminds me, I always get asked or thought this question, Right? We all know that friends can have a huge influence on you, right? Uh, peer pressure, whatever you want to call it, friends have a huge influence. Now, whether that influence is good or bad, I guess, depends on the friend. So you're supposed to be surrounded by people that uplift you, but also are we supposed to help the poor, right? If we are these physicians, are we supposed to help these poor people? So where do you draw the line between being friends with people that are great and will help you and being friends with people that need help? Like, where's that line? And I, I realized something through this. Just, just while I was, while I was, uh, um, reading through this. So later on, when Christ says, "I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance," right? Very clearly, he's talking about. You know, he's sitting with the publicans and the sinners. Well, quote unquote sinners, um, which I guess everyone is. So I don't have to do quote unquote. <laughs> um, so obviously it seems like he's referring to the Pharisees as the people he's called that need repentance, right? 
But isn't it pretty clear that also the Pharisees need repentance? I mean, they're not sinless. Just because they're the children of Abraham doesn't mean they don't need help. So what makes the difference? Why is Christ chilling and always found around the sick and the poor and the sinners and the Pharisees and the harlots or whatever, and not the Pharisees? Well, I realized something. It's because, well, one of two things. The first one I'll hit is that those are the people that would receive him, the people that would listen to him. And I'll, I'll talk, I'll hit on that later. But first, and then it's to the question of, well, where do I draw the line with making friends? And this is a very question that I feel a lot of us have, right? Whether it's that guy at work, whether it's this person from a sports team, or whatever the case might be, how do I know where to draw that line? And the best thing I can tell you from, from reading this and personal experiences, who's influencing who? <laughs> I mean, if your friend is, if you're influencing your friend for the better, even if he's, you know, one the one needing help, if you're influencing him, that's a great friend to have because you're helping someone out. But if they're stuck in their ways like the Pharisees and they're dragging you down and they, they're not changing, then that's when you need to have a problem. That's when there is a problem. Because then it ties back to that first point I talked about with, you know, Christ hung out the people that would receive him. But a lot of people out there, they're not doing the best and they have no intention of changing. They're not trying to abandon sin and become comfortable with God. Um, but they're more trying to abandon God and become comfortable with sin. Uh, that's a thought I got from a Brad Wilcox. And it's very true. There's some people out there that just don't want to change. So I'm not saying we can't be nice to these guys, can't be friends with these guys. But we probably shouldn't let them be an influence or a role model in our lives. Or on the other hand, there's people that these... Like, we'll use Matthew, for example. He's a publican, right? Detested. Maybe Matthew had done some of these sketchy things of using his position to get more money from people. I don't know. I never met Matthew, so I couldn't tell you. But the thing that shows me is he's ready to change is that he followed Christ. I think that's why they just said, that's why in the scriptures it just says Christ said, follow me. It didn't say anything else. Because I think that shows that Matthew wanted to change, hence he followed Christ. And so I thought that was cool. It shows the willingness, the willingness to change. And so I think we have a very important charge as believers in Christ and followers of Christ. And that is to help everyone come closer to him, no matter who they are, no matter what category they fall under in this life. We've been called to help people. And we, we should put a lot of effort behind that. Just remember that not all cases are, are equal. As a missionary, sometimes we have to do the whole fish on or cut bait. Are we actually helping this person? Or is our time better spent helping someone that's willing to change? And sometimes it's hard. It's it's might be a friend. It might be a family member. It might be a son or daughter. It might be your spouse that needs help, but they're not willing to change. I'm not saying cut them out of your lives. Well, this sounds really bad now that I think about it. What am I, what's the point I'm trying to make? 
it's hard to have people close to you that aren't ready to change. And there's no point, there's no amount of force you can apply to make them change. You have to trust God on that. So, for example, let's say you have a friend that just doesn't want to come closer to God. There's nothing you can do to make him come closer to God. You can still be friends with him. You can still leave that door open. But you don't necessarily need to be sending him a spiritual thought every single day because I might just push him away. I think that's the point I'm trying to get at. Sorry if it's a little um, clear as mud. Um, but that is just really cool to read this story and see how we can get advice on how how we can help other people, who we should surround ourselves with, and the reason behind it. We should always be looking to help these people and to help everyone come closer to Christ. Um, again, realizing that we also need to come closer to Christ ourselves. <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, example for me, I'm trying to help people through this podcast. and It is bringing me closer to Christ too. So we can get lost in the work and be changed just as much as the people that we are changing. So, moving on to our, our next point. So, surely after, um, after the feast with Matthew and the, the other publicans, um, the Pharisees, they were ready to find another thing to kind of attack Christ with or criticize him for. Um, and this one was a bit different. So, at this point in time, John the Baptist has been um, imprisoned, imprisoned. Um, and that will soon, uh, lead to his fate. Um, but because of John the Baptist being imprisoned, uh, his followers suddenly didn't have some, anyone to follow. Um, and the ones that understood John's testimony of Jesus Christ, I'm sure they all went and followed Christ, but a lot of them didn't. And... I we've I think we've already talked about that a lot about John's uh, testimony of Christ. I don't really need to go into that too much. Um, but needless to say that there's there are some there are some that didn't follow Christ, and with John being very I don't want to say intense, but very um, very adherent to the laws set forth and the mission that he was given. The followers of John that didn't follow Christ, they're used to that strict formality, I guess you could say. And so where where could they find something that kind of had that same structure? Well, the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees were the same thing. They just were preaching a, a different um, a different version of the gospel, I guess you could say. So a lot of these fell into the the group with the Pharisees. Um and so uh, they, the Pharisees get stronger. They get some more of John the Baptist um, uh, followers. And the reason I bring that up is because it, it seems that they um, um, were looking again. I'm pretty sure they had a chip on their shoulder, seeing that their, their following of John the Baptist was split half to Christ, and they went to the Pharisees. So I'm sure that they kind of even have more of a chip on their shoulder for Christ um, or about Christ, whatever the terminology would be. 
and so they they uh, come to um, kind of catch up Jesus and kind of show him, hey, why are you doing this wrong? Um, so they, uh, some of John's disciples, and again, John the Baptist, came to Jesus and questioned him concerning the seeming indifference in the matter of fasting um, with the question, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And this this is really what Christ does next is really cool because again he 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 doesn't take their question at face value and he sees to teach a deeper meaning here. And again he he does it in a way that they can understand. He teaches to their understanding. And so this is what this is what Christ says. Um, and I'm sure he used this example because it reminded them of of John's uh, testimony of Christ at one point. Because uh, Christ says, Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and they then shall they fast in those days. So the reason that they might compare that with what John said is because John had uh, compared himself to the bridegroom's friend and said everyone that Christ is the real bridegroom. So that might have been something to kind of jog their memory, like, hey, the person you profess to follow um, shows you the way and you're not following it. Um, but second off, Christ, he isn't, he isn't um, doing away with the law of the fast right here. Um, I mean, we had a whole part of our podcast talking about how Christ did fast, right? And if anything, Christ practiced exactly what he preached. And so he's not, he's not saying it's not important to fast. He's teaching a deeper, deeper principle. Um, I think one kind of alluding to the future um, was a very literal sense. If he was the bridegroom, right, there would be a time where he would be gone. And then the disciples would be fasting from having him at their side, right? Having him as their leader, their director, their guider at least in the flesh. And so it's like, no, they, they need to rest and prepare now because the time soon will come where they're not going to have this luxury. Um, but I don't think that's the main thing that he was getting at. I don't think that's, I, I think it's a definitely sad lesson we can learn. Just like we can learn many different principles through, through these stories. I didn't think he was getting at, he, he clarified later. Um, Cause he gave them the, uh, he added on to that. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new pieces that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine in old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put in new bottles. And so I remember the first couple of times I read that on reading through the Bible, I was confused. I was like, yeah, that's right. You can't just keep putting old stuff on something or new stuff on something old and breaking down and expect it to work, right? Um, at some point, you just got to call it a lost cause and scrap it and get something new. But I didn't see how that related to related to the gospel. Well, what I think and I, what Christ is saying is that he hadn't come 
to fix up or patch up the law of Moses. He wasn't just the, the worker there to fix the leaks. He wasn't there to try and do a men job. He was there to give them the new law, right? The new way of which they should live. Um, and this new law, right, needs a whole new foundation, right? This new wine needs new wine glass. You can't just take this new gospel and put it in the old gospel. He's not coming to add rules. Rather, he's there to show you the better way, the, the real way from that point on, if that makes sense. And so how does that relate to fasting? Well, I think part of it is, is we still believe the law of the fast. I mean, we practice it today. It's a different different law of the fast, and I think they've practiced back then. I don't know. I'm not a not a historian. I don't know exactly how the uh, ancient um, Judaisms did the fast. I think it was something of like no, no. I'm not going to say anything that I don't know for sure because I don't have other Jones here fact checking me. Um, so rather than Christ saying we're doing away from with the law completely and entirely, it's more. We're doing it this way. We're doing it the new way, the better way, the new covenant. Um, and I know it might be a little confusing of him coming in and putting in this new law. He actually addresses that later, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, but that is another thing of Christ just kind of testifying in his Messiahship, that I have the everlasting gospel that, um, you know, come to me, it's the, it's the new wine. And, uh, so don't don't ask me why we don't follow the fast because we do we just do it in the better way. So last thing we'll dive into before the end of the podcast today is um, the we're gonna dive a little bit into the famous line "Fishers of Men," kind of where that originates from. So um, kind of the background story for this is one day the Lord um, or Christ stood by um, the Sea of Galilee. And people pressed around him. They wanted to hear more about him, hear more about his teachings. Um, they wanted to hear what he had to say. So there's a lot of people um, there. So Christ had the idea um, of taking a boat out and speaking from the boat so people could congregate on the uh, on the beach. Well, this boat just happened to uh, belong to uh, Peter. And if you remember, Peter had already um, been introduced to uh, Christ, right? The, his his words, his his works, kind of who he was. Um, and so I'm sure he was very happy to let Christ enter into his boat. Well, so he gives he uh, gives the discourse. Um, we don't know what he says. It's not given to us what he says. Um, but I'm sure if, if it isn't covered somewhere else in the Gospels, then it either wasn't super different than his other addresses or that it was just kind of a clump of, like, pieces of other things. That's, that's not the important thing. The important thing what happens afterwards. Um, so after this, Christ directs them to launch out into deep water um, and then go to uh, let down the nets. And um, this is when... Uh, 
Andrew, um, who was with them, um, oh, not, not, sorry, not Andrew. Peter says, uh, Andrew wasn't there, but Peter says, uh, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, thy word, I'll let down the net. Or basically, we've tried, nothing's happened, but I trust, you know, we'll, we'll do it. Well, we all know the story. He lets down, there's more fish than he can haul in, and they have to have another boat come over to help him, and it almost sinks both the boats with all the all the fish. Well, um, Peter is just overwhelmed by this by this miracle, and he is um, says, "Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord." Um, so I'm kind of jumping through this because I want to get to the point that I think is really cool. Um, and anyway, so he, he sees this new power and everyone else has seen it. And the other boat was, um, James and John, um, who had also, uh, been introduced to Christ before they're familiar with his teachings. Well, they were there. Um, and this is, um, this is the part I wanted to get to. Is after all this, Peter says, I'm, I'm a sinful man, you know, depart from me. And rather than Christ just, you know, being like, yeah, you are a sinful man, leave, right? <laughs> or I'm going to leave. Um, this is what he says. Come after me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Um, really cool thing about this, before I get to the thing I wanted to touch on, is that um, he draws a connection between their their current job and what their new calling would be. Except for before, where the fate of the fish that they caught was death, right, to be eaten. For the men they would quote-unquote catch, it was the opposite end of the spectrum. Instead of, you know, definite death, it is infinite and eternal life, right? It's the opposite end of the spectrum. And I thought that was kind of a cool little contrast just to think about. There's probably a lot of cool things you can get from just pondering the real importance of that statement. I won't go into that. The point I wanted to make out is they were already familiar with Christ's teachings, having invited people to come and see, come and follow, right? And so they they must have thought, well, this is this is cool. Christ, he's, he's this new awesome Messiah. I'm going to follow him, Right. But they're still doing their daily jobs, which is good. I mean, they had to survive, right? But Christ has something different in mind for them. And that was, now you're going to follow me, and you got a lot more stuff to be doing than just listen to what I say and then, you know, do your day job of fishing. This is your new life now. You are fishers of men. And I thought that was cool because we can kind of relate to that in our lives. That, you know what? A lot of, I hope everyone here has found Christ. They've, they've built that relationship. They have a testimony of him as our savior, right? Just like Peter had that happen. I'm sure he had a great testimony of Christ, hence why I let him use his boat, why I took him out there, why he dropped his net in the water, even though he had taken nothing on that. He had that great faith. And Christ saw that, but he still needed Peter to change. And I think in our lives, it's the same thing. We don't just find Christ. we like, I believe you and, you know, just expect our calling and our job in life to stay the same all the time, right? Christ was like, well, great. Now that you're here, I can really use your help in this. I can use your help with that. So in times in our lives, when um, 
when we feel like we might be being pulled in a different direction than we've ever been in our lives, maybe that's Christ telling you something, telling you he's got a job somewhere else. That, yes, you've been doing the right thing. It's not that you've been doing for the last 20, 30, 40 years. It's wrong. That was what he needed to do at that time. But now he might have something a little bit different in mind. Just kind of have the faith that he knows what he's doing. So that was kind of cool just to think, you know, we got to always be willing to to do what the Savior asks and roll the changes and see that our jobs can change and will change throughout this life. But thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Um, again, I hope you enjoyed and were able to get something out of it. Uh, I'm, I'm hopefully starting a new way of producing these podcasts. It won't be any different for you guys, hopefully, other than the fact that I will be a little bit more um, prepared. Uh, it should be a better way to put together a podcast, so I'm hoping that it'll, the product will be better. So... Um, I don't know why I bring that up other than there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> but again, thank you so much. Um, please feel free. Share with your friends. Share with your family. And share a message how Christ has helped you in your life. Um, and I'd like to end my with my testimony that Christ did, did come and he did show us the new way. Right? The new law by which man can be saved. And that by adherence to that law, we can all find eternal happiness, not just in this life, but in the life to come. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.